Me and my wife have been on a number of mission trips, and uh, we were talking this week, and I said, I think every mission trip that we have done, we've been able to do more and more mission work. And the first two that we took, we took a group of teenagers on their senior trip and got a chance to do some mission work. But at the same time, we the kids wanted to do some fun things too. And I said, I'll never forget the trip to Argentina. We did some mission work here and there and everything. And this was back in 2008. We went down to Buenos Aires, Argentina. But there were some days it didn't feel like a mission trip because we like got on a bus Went and saw stuff and went to a beef restaurant and ate food and got on the bus. And went. And so there are some days like that. But we also had the opportunity to do some mission work. And one of those days is we went down to this place in Buenos Aires called Florida Street. And they say that at any one time, at any time, day or night, there are over a million people on that one street. Can you imagine? And there, there's Buenos Aires is like if you took like all the people in New York City and just like flattened it in this city without the skyscrapers. It's an amazing sight to see. But we went passing out these tracks. And so I, I was so happy and proud of these kids and, and my wife and stuff going around. And, and yo tango un regala por partu. We have a gift for you. And we pass out these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we do that. We were going along and we saw some interesting people. Someplace I've got pictures of this, but that was like the first time I think I'd really seen beggars. Like I know we have poor people in the United States who are asking for handouts, but you that's destitution right there. That you can see as you see these people who have spent their whole lives on this street begging every single day. And we were going around passing these out. And, and I was so proud of my wife. She, she like grabbed him, started passing them out, passing them out. And all of a sudden, we, everybody starts laughing at my wife. I'm like, what? I'm like, what'd she do? And so my wife had gone right up to, and there was this guy holding out his hand. And she goes right up and she gives that guy a track. And and thing was, is that that guy had no eyes. <laughs> and so they're all saying, he can't read that, Michelle, and, and stuff. But at the same time, you know, you, you think about it. Who knows what God could have done? But he was reaching out just like a lot of people were reaching out on that street, wanting one of those, those things that we were giving out. And he, he needed some money. That's what he was reaching for. And my wife handed a track, track and we had to pick on her on the way home because she had given this track to a guy who was never going to be able to read it. But who knows? Maybe he could ask someone who could read it. And we get to John chapter 5. And we have this story of Jesus healing the lame man. And I, I've been telling you right along that John, in his gospel, limits the amount of miracles that Jesus that he talks about Jesus performing. 
He, as a matter of fact, he says right in his book, Jesus performed a whole lot of miracles. But the ones that the Holy Spirit laid on John's heart to give us were small in number compared to the number of miracles that Jesus did. And so every time we have a miracle in this book, we need to, we need to be very, very careful at paying attention to it. Because it's not just a nice story, it has a purpose, and it has meaning. And in John chapter 5, in verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity, 38 years. When Jesus saw him, lying there, and knew that he had already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? In John chapter 5, Jesus starts his public ministry. It's a time of open opposition when, when he would do some amazing things and people would oppose him and and things, you know, people began to get antagonistic to his teaching. And the setting of our story here today, this miracle, is at the pool of Bethesda. And a while of teaching and trying to share the book of John with people, everybody gets confused between the words Bethesda and Bethsaida. They've heard those two, and I know, there's not much difference. But... Bethsaida is up near the Sea of Galilee, and the pool of Bethesda is just outside the Temple Mount down in Jerusalem. So there's a big difference between those two places. And just so you have kind of idea, there's a picture up there, and you can see the temple. And you can see just north of the temple is this pool called the Pool of Bethesda. And if we were to go to that pool on that day, just like we read just a moment ago, that you would find a multitude of sick people waiting to be healed. But it's interesting in this story that Jesus is zeroed in on one of those people. Just one. There's a probably a crowd of people waiting around that pool who were just like this guy. I picture walking down Florida Street in Buenos Aires and having you know beggars here and lame people here and, and people with with out hands and legs and you know all over the place and and Jesus chose one person. It's interesting. We have a prayer list in in our church and on the back of the prayer list there's lots of names. And I also, I also have a list that I keep at home. Every time somebody calls and says, Pastor Scott, praise the Lord. And they tell me some way God answered their prayer. 
And if you've been reading my prayer focus update, you see that last night I put there 22 praises this year. So that means out of 26 days, 22 times, somebody's come and said to me, Pastor Scott, praise the Lord, God answered my prayer like this. You say, wow, awesome. Great, wonderful. Our God is great. And there's a lot of people on this list that we're praying for. And we're praying hard for. And sometimes God is going to choose to see people be healed. Sometimes God isn't going to choose to be healed. Because there's another truth in the Bible, right? It is appointed unto man once to die. And that's a true statement. And because we live in, in a fallen, sin-cursed world, there is disease, sickness, heartache. And sometimes in the Bible, God chooses to heal. And sometimes God chooses to allow you to go through things. And He gives grace to His children during those times. Amen. And He does wonderful things through problems. As a matter of fact, I put in a couple of examples of this, and, and there are passages of Scripture there. Uh, it take all of our time to go and look at the story in detail, but I, but I think we know these stories. Think about Acts chapter 7. Stephen is killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. Does that mean that Jesus Christ let him down? No. In that story, remember, Stephen was honored by Jesus Christ as he entered heaven for laying down his life. Also in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 12, Peter is freed from prison. Well, why did, why did God choose Peter to be freed from prison in this situation, but Stephen to be martyred in this situation? Why is it that God sometimes chooses to heal this person, and he chooses to let this person Go through it and appear to be suffering. But you know, God is so much wiser than I am, than you are. And he knows, he knows exactly what he's doing. And when he answers, when he answers our prayers, that's it's one thing. The more I study the Bible, the more I know God, the more I pray, pray I see that God always answers our prayers and he always does what is good it might not be the way we were we thought it should happen it might not be our plan and our method and our mode but god knows exactly what he's doing take for instance in second corinthians we can look in this passage i encourage us to this morning look in your bibles to second corinthians chapter 12 And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verses 7 to 9, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. 
Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so I, I ask you this question today. Is there something that you feel like, like, why is this happening to me? What is going on? Why has God put me in this situation? You say, I've been praying about this, and it's not working out the way I want. You're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul was feeling the same way. And if that's you today, and, and that's what you feel like, why is this going on? What is happening to me? Why am I in the middle of this situation? Take 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. And what you could do is you could do what I've done. I take my Bible and I, I kind of I highlight stuff and I underline stuff. And I know many of you do too. If you don't, if you're like, no, no, I don't want to write in my Bible. That's okay. Don't, don't change your convictions because of me. Okay. But what I'd like you to do, if that's you, take I, I color code my Bible. And blue usually means, oh, that's kind of one of those rough parts in the Bible. Or maybe that's somebody where somebody sins or it's a difficult thing to take into. And orange is those, those good things for us to remember in the Bible. And gold is when, the, when God is doing something amazing. His holiness is displayed. His praise is given. And so that's how I cut. And so what I did is verse 7 and 8. They're in blue. The thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet lest I be exalted above all measure. Concerning the thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and I got that in blue. So I, on the, the rough days, I could go and I can say, yep, Paul, Paul was there too. But then you know what I really highlighted in yellow and gold, or yellow or whatever it is, is those next verses. They're supposed to bring us comfort. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. In those last, last few words, when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus Christ's greatness and his grace and his power are often best seen, they're best displayed when we have triumph in Christ through, through a through difficult situations. God saves. He heals. He restores. But he also carries us through the hard times of life. Because we live in a sin fallen world. We live in, in the midst of a depraved society. And because of that we are going to face the troubles of this life. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. But we can endure and we can see God's power when we face those difficult situations. As was the story 
in John chapter 5. Because they're at this pool of Bethesda and something, something strange happens at the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says that the people were waiting there for a stirring of the water. For an angel to come down and stir the water. And whoever's the first person into the pool is healed. You say, Pastor Scott, that, that just seems strange. Seems kind of weird. There's like this magic pool that if you lay by it and all of a sudden an angel comes down. I, that just doesn't make sense to me. Good. You're, that's, how, that's how I feel too. And so I looked this up and, and I've kind of studied it. And, and people that know a lot more than me, they kind of say, well, maybe this was a local superstition. Or maybe this was a miraculous event. The best place for an answer, the, the place that I trust the most is the Bible, believe it or not. That's the place that I believe number one above all else. And in John chapter 5 and verse 3 and 4, it says, In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, that whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, as I read this, I've read some people said, these people were waiting for something that was a, a tradition, a religious tradition at the time. And some people say, well, the Bible says that that's what happened. And I tend to go with, okay, the Bible does say that Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. But, and, and, and I get that. I get that's why they were laying there. Is they were waiting for the stirring of the water. But there's something that as I read this, that just jumps off the page. Because maybe you're thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a pool an angel would come down and stir. Like, like maybe we could just leave the, the baptismal tank open and, and fill it with water. And every once in a while, an angel would come down and he'd stir. And whoever's the first one in the baptismal tank, they, they'd be made well. Doesn't that sound wonderful? How many of us would be sitting right in one of those choir chairs every Sunday morning waiting for the stirring of the water? But here's the point I'd, ha I'd like us to, to make this morning. And to focus on, to focus on. We have something better than an angel pool. We have something better than an angel pool. We have Jesus Christ. We have the indwelling of a Holy Spirit. We have the power of persistent prayer at any time. And those things are gifts specifically given by Jesus Christ. We have promises like James chapter 5. And let's look in James chapter 5 this morning. In James chapter 5 and verse 13 it says, 
Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'd like to tell you this morning that that verse, according to what the New Testament has to say, according to the testimony of people that I know, According to what I have seen and heard and testified to you today, that James chapter 5 is better than a pool with an angel that stirs it every once in a while, and the first one who hops in will be healed. That's the truth that Jesus Christ wanted to share with us. And so rather than, than waiting next to a pool that may or may not be stirred by an angel, you have the power to come before the throne of grace and to ask God at any moment to bring your request before Him, just like Paul did. And one way or another, God will answer your prayers. Sometimes He will heal. Sometimes he will do something wonderful, a miracle. And sometimes he'll say, brother, sister in Christ, I need to teach you a lesson. I need to do something wonderful through you. And you're going to find my grace to be sufficient for what you need. In what we read this morning in John chapter 5, Jesus asked a question. He said, Lame man, you've been laying here for 38 years. I can't imagine laying around for 38 years paralyzed, waiting for, for an angel to come and stir the water. If we could even imagine what that'd be like. It would have been so hard. And Jesus asked the question, he says, do you want to be made well and as I look in John chapter 5 it's kind of interesting because in John chapter 5 and verse 7 it says the sick man answered sir I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up but while I'm coming Another steps down before me. There's something interesting. Something that I'm finding out and I'm learning as I read, as I try to educate myself and get to know people better. Sometimes you ask people a question. And the best, que the best way that they can answer the question is yes or no. Sometimes I'll want, 
want to know something about people. I want to get to the root of like a sin problem or a heart problem. And I'll ask them a question. And I'm just looking for a yes or no answer. This has happened in church. It's happened in school. And you know what I get instead of a yes or no answer? I get an essay. Mr. Bowker wants essays and they give him a yes or no answer, right? <laughs> and sometimes we want yes or no answers and we get an essay. This guy, he kind of, he didn't answer Jesus' question. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And he says, sir, I have nobody to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. He didn't answer Jesus' question. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And he, he gave a deflection as an answer. Maybe we feel sorry for the guy. But I kind of put it this way. Jesus asked a question. Sinner, do you want to be made well? And today... Many of you guys are, are sitting here and you find yourself just like this lame man. You have been waiting for 38 years, 40 years, 50 years, 20 years to be made well. And spiritually, you can't walk anymore. Your life is broken. Sin has ruined you. And you feel the weight that you are carrying is more than you can you can even begin to, to carry down the road. You are spiritually lame. Your heart is broken. And Jesus asks you the question, Sinner, do you want to be made well? And you know what? Jesus wants a one-word answer. Yes or no? You know what people often do? They deflect from they, they put deflection in their answer. Well, and they go on and on and on. And there's a, there's a story and there's reasons. And they deflect from the heart of the matter. There's a sin problem in your life that is crippling you. Jesus begs people to walk the straight and narrow road that leads to eternal life. And he, said, he says right in those verses, Few there are that find it. For broad is the way, the way, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And people are crippled and they can't walk that straight and narrow road because sin won't allow them to take the journey. Jesus simply says, Sinner. You're crippled because of your sin. And, and, and you cannot find your way to heaven without me. Do you want to be made well? And he's looking for a simple answer. Yes! It's Jesus Christ. He did all the work. And he has all the power to heal anyone who simply answers his question. Please don't deflect from his answer today. This guy had been waiting 38 years of hoping in the God of miracles without 
without experience and miracle. And here now is Jesus Christ coming to him and offering him the chance to be healed. Then we have this miracle. I've got a list of miracles, and my list keeps getting longer. And We've talked about a number of these. In John chapter 2, verse 11, Jesus turns water into wine. In John chapter 4 and verse 50, Jesus heals the nobleman's son. And in John chapter 5, verses 8 to 9, Jesus heals the lame man. And the final one that we look at is the sign deferred. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The sign that Jesus said, when you see this, you will know that I am the Son of God. And then I look in verse in verse 8 of John chapter 5. It says, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well. Took up his bed and walked. Let me tell you something, a truth. Jesus needs no magic pool. He merely speaks and it happens. The point of all of Jesus' signs, his miracles in this book, is to prove that he is the great I am. John 20, 31, I've quoted it before and I'll quote it again. Every time we get to one of these miracles. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life through his name. I believe all of these, all of these miracles teach us something about the character of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The only Son of God, the promised Son of God, and the, the Son who God the Father loved and was willing to lay down his life. And in this particular miracle, I believe that means that Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We read Exodus chapter 15 this morning. You might say, Pastor Scott, what does this have to do with, it, with Exodus chapter 15? In that passage of scripture, the children of Israel come to these waters and they get down to get a drink. And they are bitter waters. There is death in the water. They call the place Mara which means bitter. And it's in that place that we learn that phrase. The Lord our God is the God who heals. He takes the bitter waters, the waters of death, and makes them sweet and He makes them alive. In our story, He immediately told this man to rise, take up his bed and walk, and immediately He was made well. And I'm going to leave you with this today. I don't, I have no idea what's going on right here in your heart. I've sat down, I've talked to most of you in this room. And I've heard your, your thoughts, your prayers, the things that God is working on in your life. But still, this is something between you and God. And maybe in your heart is bitterness, is sin. Is things that are keeping you from being on the journey with the rest of us. On the straight and narrow road to heaven. There's only one way to be saved. And that's through the power of Jesus Christ. Who has the power to make you well. And I asked the question a couple moments ago. And I'm still asking it right now. 
Jesus, if he were standing here before you today, he would do just like he did with this man lying by the pool of Bethesda. He'd say, do you want to be made well? And in your heart today, you need to have a conversation with God. Please don't give him an essay question, essay answer to this question. He's asking, he's begging, he's saying, I gave my son who died on Calvary for you. Do you want to be made well today? Just say yes. Don't fight. Don't argue. Just say yes. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I'd also like to talk to those of you who maybe bitterness is eaten in your heart for, for one reason or another. And it's crippling your spiritual life. Your relationship with God is hindered because bitterness has taken root and it's taken hold. You need to do business with God. He says, hey, I want to make you well. I want to take that bitterness and I want to heal you. He's asking the question, would you be made well? Just say yes. Just accept God's free gift of salvation. Lay your burdens at the feet of Jesus Christ. And find him to be the healing God that he has promised to be. Let's pray this morning. And as we do, think about that question that God asked in this passage of Scripture. Would you be made well? Sinner, if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I ask you, I implore you, I beg you, to not leave this church without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God's child. Christian, if bitterness is crippling your spiritual life, you don't need an angel pool. God simply speaks and he has the power to heal. He has the power to do business with you. And right now we're going we're gonna, to... We're going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And if you need to do business with the Lord, if you need to say yes to him, I'd like to ask you, come right up front. Surrender to Christ and simply say yes. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ and find his healing power to be faithful. Lord and Heavenly Father, we pray this morning for those who you're speaking to their heart. You're simply asking the question, would you be made well? Help us to surrender to you, to give our lives over to you, and to say, yes, Lord, I'll surrender to your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.